Uh, Isaiah 43, verse 5 says, Do not be afraid because I'm with you. Do you understand that the God of the universe that created everything is with you right now? That he and his legions of angels are on your side, that he's for you, that he's not against you. There's no reason to be afraid because he said, what can man do to me? I'm not going to be afraid. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He says, I will gather you and your children from the east and west. I will say to the north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. That last kind of half sentence, I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Do you realize that it is God that gives life? It is God that brings life. At the moment that a, a, a seed and an egg are fertilized in a mother's womb, there is life there. There is life in that womb and that life comes from God. And God said that I've given you a purpose before the beginning, before the foundations of this earth. One of the greatest questions of humanity is why am I here? Why do I exist? Why, why am I here? <laughs> is really my life just to get up, go to work, make some money, get home from work, enjoy the weekend? Is that what I'm living for, the weekend? Am I living to retire and then I die? I mean, that's it? How many of you know there's more than that? And this, thank God there's more than that, amen? Thank God there's more than that. That might be news to some of you today. Maybe this is kind of a part of an answer to a question that you have been asking, but I want you to understand and see. I have made them, God says, I've made them for my glory. God made you and God made me for one purpose, and that is to bring honor and to glory to him. He has created us for that reason. Can I get an amen? How many of you know what your purpose is? Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just, you know, there's just, there is not a I'm just in the kingdom of God. I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, a stay-at-home mom. No, you are shaping, you are shaping a future generation. You're raising children that are going to be champions for Christ. And I just make coffee. We need you. We're going to support your ministry. I mean, if you're just a barista, you are not, man, the world's turning on you. There is nothing, there is nothing that is insignificant that God does. We have this, this idea that we elevate certain things, we elevate certain people, but every single one of us, regardless, there's a life on the inside of us. Hey, Jordan, if you're back there, would you, would you uh, bring that out for me? Thank you. You can just set it right here. And uh, a lot of you are enjoying your work, your harvest, the bounty of your harvest. Thank you very much. And, and um, it's amazing to me, I, I, we used to, we're going to have bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches today, but I didn't grow a tomato this year and I didn't raise a pig. So there you go. And I didn't bake any bread, so everything's coming right from the store. But anyway, uh, I, we used to plant like two or three tomato plants in the spring and then, you know, just wait. We'd watch them. We'd take care of them. We would do, and, and really I'd say, I grew tomatoes. Actually, I didn't do that. I just put them in the ground and, and, and everything else, just, I just picked it because I didn't grow anything, because God is the one who gives the increase. But anyway, um, many of you, how many of you have, have planted gardens and you've harvested that garden? Most, it's kind of like almost done. There's some stuff that's there, but, but, but it's amazing to me that whether it's from a seed or a seedling, you stick it in the ground, you take care of it for, you know, the summer, you water it, you weed it, you keep it safe, you know, whether it's going to be really, really cold or too hot or, or you, uh, you know, 
getting rid of the bugs that might eat it and destroy it, and, and then you're watching that fruit develop, and then eventually you get to, you get to harvest it, right? I mean, and, and now you're enjoying the fruit of your labor. You're enjoying the fruit of, of the effort. And so I, I, with that backdrop, there's some things that I want to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to lay a foundation that is very, very, very basic, and yet I want to get to a question that I want to ask you because it will set up the rest of what we're going to do, but I think it's going to impact your life in a, in a really powerful way. So in John chapter 15, we read these words. You can read it up here on the screen. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Quick question. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. Who's the branch? All right, do not get confused. You are not the branch. You're the vine. He goes on. Those who remain in me. Just checking you. Hey, somebody from the connection team, could you get me another cup of coffee? No, just kidding. <laughs> Jesus is the vine. You're the branch. Don't get it confused, Pastor Brian. All right. Those who remain in me, and I in, I saw a confused look on Gordy's face, and it was more unusual than normal, so I just, I knew <laughs> I said something. <laughs> Whew, we are off and running this morning. Glory to God. All right. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce What? How much? How do you produce much fruit? Remain in the what? Remain in what? Remain in the Lord. Now we're doing Everybody's kind of afraid. Those who remain in me. Who's the, who's the, who, Jesus is what? And, and what are we? And, and we produce what? How much fruit? By how? Oh, all right, you guys are sharp. All right. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I won't go there yet. I'll wait to offend you until later. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything that you want, it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. How does God get glory? How does God get glory? If you have been created for the glory of God, if your purpose is to bring glory to God, how do you bring glory to God? How come it got quiet all of a sudden? How much? And who's going to produce the fruit? We are. We are. And how are we going to produce that fruit? Remaining in the vine. Now, to make this really, really simple this morning, this is from the Heron Garden. These are black tomatoes. No, black cherry tomatoes. I just thought they were like overripe. And see now, this one will never produce <laughs> because it's a part. So I think that you understand this, but just let me let me belabor the point just a little bit. We give glory to God when we bear much fruit. And as long as this fruit is connected to the vine, it's going to grow. And it goes through a process of growth. It starts as a seedling, and if everything is the way that it should be in its proper order and balance, the rain falls, the sun shines, it is converted into energy that, that gets into the root system that allows that branch to grow or the vine to grow, and eventually there's, there is fruit that is produced on the vine. Who's the branch or who's the vine? Jesus. 
Who's the, who's the branch? You know, I have this prayer almost every Sunday. I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that you're the vine and I'm the branch. And I thank you. And I, I think you can see this. I think that you can understand this. We have, we have a cucumber here somewhere. Is it on there somewhere? There it is. <laughs> There's poison ivy in here too. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the show. Oh, there we go. All right. So fruit shows up. So I have this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that you're the van- branch and I'm the vine. I'm just, I, I, the same life. And this is what I want you to. <sighs> The same life, the same life that is in the vine is also in the branch. You cannot find a place that there is a difference in the life. It is the same life here that is the same life here. And it is the life that is in the vine that gets to the branch that fruit is produced on. That's why the heavenly father gets glory because it is his energy, it is his strength, and it is his life that flows in us, that allows us to produce fruit. And so I pray this prayer, Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the name of Jesus, that your life is in me right now. It is the exact same life that you have. And I fully expect that fruit is gonna show up for your glory in this service today. I thank you that you're going to get glory today, not because of me, but because I wanna operate with your power, with your life and with your strength. Now I want you to know that that doesn't just happen because I'm pastor. And that same life and that same power is available to all of us. And that's how God wants us to live our life. He wants us to live our life with the power and the life and the strength that he provides for every circumstances, in every endeavor, in every difficulty, and in every great triumph of life. God is there. He is with us. That's why we do not have to be afraid. But this sets up some things. You need to understand this, that fruit is produced not from the effort of the vine. Fruit is produced by the life that's in the branch. We have a lot of people, did I do that again? See, I think that it's the different translation that's tripping me up. But anyway, for your, for your convenience this morning, we will pretend that that word vine is branch and branch is vine. So we can match that translation that I used because I have apparently been praying it wrong the whole time. He's the branch and I'm the vine. That's what we got to say. He's the branch. I'm the vine. And, uh, he's the vine. I'm the branch. Whew. I'm just doing that so this doesn't, so you don't lose it this morning. You will remember this. From this day forward, you will say, I don't know which one it is, but I know that God's life is in me somehow. <laughs> I am more confused today than I've ever been in my whole life between vines and branches. (laughs) But regardless, I think you get the point. It isn't by your effort that you produce fruit. It's by the effort that God provided for you. It is the energy and strength and life that God provided for you so you can produce not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit, much fruit. We live in a day, I believe we live in an age and a time. Does anybody want one of these black cherry tomatoes? I just want to throw one. All right, Isaiah. Oh, 
Nice grab, better throw, but. <laughs> so again, my point is this simply, that fruit is, is not a, a product of our effort. Never have you walked past any of these vines or a fruit tree and heard it going, oh, I'm just trying so hard to make fruit. It is a natural process. And yet we have Christians all the, I shouldn't say all the time, we have Christians many times, oh, it's just so hard. I just don't know. I just, I can't. It's just so hard. That's because you're trying to do it in your own strength versus relying on the strength that God gives. And so if we are created for God's glory, and we are, and if producing much fruit gives God great glory, then you and I have to be about the business of producing much fruit through our life. It is taking the life that God gives, the strength that God gives, the grace that God gives, the Holy Spirit that God gives. It is taking that energy, that life, that faith, and allowing that to work on the inside of us so that fruit is produced in our life and ultimately gives God great glory. And so if we're created for that glory which we are, and fruit gives God glory. Notice this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short, all, all, everybody. And we all know this is true, don't we? We all know that we've messed up a time or two, right? All right. All have sinned. That, that, that's a nature, actually. It's referring to what happened in the fall, that the nature of humanity was changed. It was, it was alive after the life of God. But when sin entered into the garden and, and sin entered into Adam and Eve, they began to reproduce people after their, their own self and in their own image. And, and that sin nature was carried. Paul said in the book of Romans that, that it, it, sin entered because, or death entered because of sin. And it's, it entered because of Adam's sin in the garden of Eden. And so all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is the sin nature that causes us to fall short of God's glory, causes us to fall short of the ability of God on the inside of us to produce fruit that brings glory to God. No matter how good you are, you fall short. No matter how good. God's standard is 100% righteousness. 100%. 99% is not good enough for God. We all fall short. Everybody falls short. So this is how we're made right with God. And I'm, I'm just laying a foundation to get to a question. Verse 22, this is the New Living Translation. It says, we are made right with God by, and then I left a blank. Because what comes next is one of the most important parts of your Christian growth and your Christian development. If you were raised in a church like I was raised in, we are made right with God by going to the altar and crying very much and meaning and, and really, really meaning that you want to be forgiven. That's how you're saved. I have to cry, I have to bawl, I have to squall, I have to sling a little snot, and I got to just really mean business with God. And then after I've cried for a while, after I've really, 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 really meant business with God, then maybe I might be saved. Others of you grew up in a system where you've got to follow the ritual. You've got to do the do's and make sure you don't do the don'ts. And then you will be made right with God. However you choose to fill in that blank, however your theology or your upbringing or your understanding from any church environment, however you fill in that blank will be your greatest asset or your biggest stronghold, your biggest problem. We are made right with God by... How are we made, if sin causes us to fall short, what reestablishes us that connection with God? 
Verse 22 says this in the New Living, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That sounds way too easy, doesn't it? We are made right. How, how do I, if all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, how do I get right with God? I get right with God by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. This is true for everyone. This is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. It does not matter where you grew up. It does not matter what religion you were. It doesn't matter, matter your gender, your race, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. We all get saved the same way because we all have the same problem. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. He goes on, we all fall short, for everyone has sinned, verse 23, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace, freely, boy, this is tough for us to get, but God in his grace, freely, freely, God in his, grace is God's riches, it is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is something that you didn't work for, you didn't earn, and you don't deserve it. That's what grace is. Grace is the kindness, the benevolence, and the love of God doing something for you that he didn't have to do. And it takes faith to receive that grace because our human tendency is we want to work for it. We want to deserve it. We want to earn it. We want to do something in order for God to then give us his grace. But the moment you try to do something for it, you disqualify yourself from that grace. So he goes on. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through, Jesus Christ, or through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sins. People, the ones who fell short of the glory of God, for people are made right with God when? When are you and I made right with God? When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood. You're not made right with God when you quit doing this, when you start doing that. Every excuse that you have ever come up with, well, you know, God, as soon as I, as soon as I, no. The moment that you believe, the moment that you take that step of faith and say, all right, I believe that Jesus shed his blood for me. He died for me and he gave me a brand new life. The moment I believe that, <clears throat> I become one with him. I am now the branch and he's the vine. Did I get it right? Wow. So salvation requires a personal decision on your part. It requires you to do this, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, that sounds too easy, but that's because we do not understand some spiritual principles. We don't understand the power of our words that life and death, as it says in the book of Proverbs, life and death is in the power of the tongue. He goes on in verse 10, and he says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified or made right, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It is always a dual action, a dual working of our heart or our spirit and our mouth or the words of our mouth. Those working together create something that is powerful and miraculous. There's power in your words. There's power in the words that you speak from a heart of faith. So, 
If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 17 becomes true. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's how you get into Christ. I believe something and I say something and it is that action that puts me in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Everybody say new creation. The moment that you confess Jesus as Lord, the moment that you do that, the new creation comes. You're made brand new. It says the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. The moment that you do that, the old is gone, the new is here. I'm going to say that one more time. The moment that you believe that it was the shed blood of Christ and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Savior, he is your Lord, at that moment you become a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and something brand new happens where? On the inside of you. That's when you become connected. That's when you become connected to the vine. And the life that is in the vine now shows up in your life deep down on the inside of you. So I, asked, I, I, I said all of those things to ask you this question this morning. How long does it take to believe? How long does it take to believe and become a new creation in Christ? How long does that take? How long? How long? Instantaneously, miraculously, the moment... The moment that you confess Jesus as Lord, as the moment you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, at that moment you become a child of God. At that moment, which means if you have done that right now, you are a child of God. And right now the life of God is on the inside of you. Right now you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Right now, right now you belong to a family that is victorious and conquering. You belong to a family that is full of love. It is full of life and it is full of grace. It is full of power. That's the family that you belong to. That is a family that you are a part of, and you have now become a part of that family that enjoys the presence, the blessing, and the glory of God. That's awesome, and that's wonderful, and that's beautiful, and that's powerful. Listen to this verse. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, that's human seed, that is... That is the natural process of birth. But now you've been born again. Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You need a second birth. Actually, some, actually the way the Greek kind of brings it out, you must be refathered from above. Remember, Jesus told the religious leaders of the day, he said, you are of your father, the devil. It's because there was a life that was in them that, that, that originated from the pit of hell. That was actually the life, the nature, the nature of sin that was in all of humanity. All have sinned. That's why we need to be refathered. We need a different father. We need to be refathered from above. And so again, when Peter writes this, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not, not after the human nature, not after the human form or human birth, Corruptible means eventually you will die. This, this flesh and blood, eventually it's going to cease to exist. This flesh and blood is going to die. But you've been born again of incorruptible seed. Notice this, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. forever. You've been born again of a different seed. Now, where'd my cucumber go? All right, in this cucumber, I'm gonna assume it's the same for all of these, but I'm no expert, but I have had a lot of coffee. So that makes me one. 
So inside this cucumber, there's a seed, or there are seeds in this cucumber. And in this cucumber, in those seeds, if you knew how to do a, I'll go through all the process, you could get the seeds out of here. And if you planted those seeds after you went through the process to make the seeds work, if, after you went through that process, what would you get if you planted the cucumber seeds? What? What if I wanted tomatoes? What? Keep praying. You know what? There are a lot of Christians that that's what they do. They keep planting one seed wondering why they keep getting that crop. They keep planting seeds of bitterness and strife and anger. And then they wonder why I got so much drama in my life. Who's planting the seeds? Little Johnny drama seed planter you are. <laughs> It is a principle of Genesis that every seed reproduces after its own kind. You plant cucumber seeds, you get cucumbers. You plant tomato seeds, you get tomatoes. Dogs produce dogs and cats produce cats and humans produce humans. It is a principle of Genesis that every seed will reproduce after its own kind. And so when Peter says that you have been born again of incorruptible seed, even the word of God that lives and abides forever, if every seed reproduces after its own kind and the seed of Christ is on the inside of you, then what should you and I be producing? If, if Jesus' seed is on the inside of me, what should my life be reflective of and producing? Jesus, Jesus things. If Jesus' seed, if the seed is planted on the inside of me, man, I haven't even got to the good part yet. If, if, if the seed is, if, if the word of God, and Jesus is the word of God made flesh, if that word is planted in me, and it is, through faith in Christ, that seed becomes a part of my life, then eventually the process should be that that seed begins to grow and it begins to develop because I'm getting life from the vine and I'm the branch and eventually fruit should be produced in my life. Can I get an amen? Do you understand that this morning? Now, here's, here's the thing. When I was a teenager and actually as a kid growing up, I didn't understand this really very well at all. I... I wanted to live the Christian life and I wanted to be a follower of Jesus and I wanted to do all the Jesus things. My church said I need to come to the altar and I need to pray and I need to, I need to confess my sin. And man, I was really good at confessing my sin because they were really good at reminding of them, me of them and bringing them up. I mean, everything was a sin. And I knew that I could get a gold star when I went to church if I brought my Bible and I showed up. I didn't ever have to read my Bible. I just had to show up. And I thought that's what church was. I thought that's what Christianity was. But I got to a point that I was, I was really frustrated because I couldn't seem to live the life that everybody else talked about. I couldn't seem to do that. I knew on the inside that there was more. I was scratching at something, but I didn't know how to get there. I didn't understand what salvation really, really meant. I didn't understand some of the things I've just shared with you right now. I didn't understand that very well, but I was totally missing a whole nother point. We understand that when we plant a seed, <laughs> I've used this illustration, when we would plant our tomato plant to have BLTs, we didn't plant our tomato plant and start frying bacon. We didn't plant our tomato plant and go toast some bread. We didn't start doing that because we understood that that plant was not ready yet to produce fruit. It had to go through a process. It had to go through a process 
of growth and production, and then eventually, a few months later, then there was going to be first a little bit of a tomato. It's like, woohoo, we're so excited, we see a tomato, and then eventually it would grow, and it would ripen, and it would be ready to harvest, and then we could pick the fruit. Can I tell you this morning, the same process has to play out in your life? You see, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I had a lot of expectations of what my life would be, and my life never measured up to those things. I always fell short because I didn't understand the new birth, but also I didn't understand the process. And so let me just tell you this this morning, that, that when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, as we would call it, when you are born again, that is a singular event of your life. That's an event. That is a one-time thing. That's why I belabored the point. How long does it take you to become a new creation in Christ? It happens the moment that you express faith in Christ. At that moment, you are changed on the inside. There's change that happens immediately. But when I was a kid, I made a promise I wasn't prepared to keep. Jesus, I give you my life. And Jesus, I just want to serve you. And Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, help me. But I wasn't prepared I was not prepared to keep that promise. I did not understand that the event of the new birth needed to be followed by a process of discipleship. I didn't understand that the event of making, of surrendering to Jesus had to be followed, had to be followed by a process of discipleship and growth. So being born again, being born again gives you potential to bear fruit, but it also makes you accountable to, be, to bear fruit. You, are bo- you have potential, but now that potential brings accountability into your life. Jesus is expecting you. God is expecting you to bear fruit with your life. And so we need to understand that the event of surrendering to the Lordship of Christ is to be followed by a process of transformation. So where are you at in that process? We have a lot of excuses and a lot of reasons. Some are valid, many are not. (laughs) We seem to have a lack of understanding at times. When Jesus was here on earth and called out his disciples and they were following him, he said, follow me, it'll make you fishers of men, all of those other things. In John chapter 1 and verse 42, it says, Andrew took Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw Simon, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. Your name will be Cephas. And I love that. I love that little thought. You are, but you will be. You are this, but you shall be this. It's kind of like a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about here. Here is where you are. And no matter where you are, you are always here. The moment that you go from here to there, your there becomes here. But there's a process that God wants to bring you through. There's a process that he wants to deliver you through that brings you from what you are to what you shall be. Whatever you are right now, you are not finished. You are not done. You have not yet reached what God has intended for you to become. So don't give up on that journey. Don't quit in the middle. Don't quit when you're stuck in the here. Do not quit because there's a life that's on the inside of you that is yearning to grow. There's a fruit that's on the inside of you that is yearning to be developed in your heart and in your life. You are Simon, but you will be 
Peter or Cephas. The name Cephas means Peter or rock. God is saying, I want to develop something in you that is lasting and strong. The next day, Jesus wanted to go to the country of Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Do you know that it's really difficult to follow somebody when you're sitting down? It's difficult to follow when you're laying down. It's difficult to follow when you fell down. It's difficult to follow unless sometimes somebody helps you up and picks you up and begins to walk with you hand in hand and begins to walk with you and to lead you and to guide you. It is difficult for you to follow if you refuse to follow. You cannot follow when you're refusing to follow. What deep revelation from Pastor Bryant. And yet many of us refuse. We know what to do, we just don't do it. We sit in church on Sunday morning, we listen online on Sunday morning, and we're like, you know, yeah, I should probably do that. I, I really should. And then the emotion of the moment is gone, and so is the inspiration, and so you never do. And we never become followers. But the goal of the Christian life isn't just simply to follow. It's to understand that in my following, I'm going to end up somewhere. And I don't always see the end. I don't always see the there. I don't always know the path that he is going to take me on. But I understand that when I follow, I'm going to arrive somewhere that he wants me to be at. But what I want to say to you this morning is that the goal of the Christian life isn't just to follow. The goal of the Christian life is to so possess the word of God, to so possess the spirit of God, to so possess the nature of God that God's children will act like God's children, chips off the old block, and, and, and we will end up being like Jesus. Jesus. That's what the goal of the, it isn't simply just to follow, it is to become like him. It is to become like Jesus. And so last week I asked you this question. We were talking about John the Baptist and I, I use this verse in John chapter three, verse 30. It says this, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He must become greater, I must become less. And I ask you this question, what are you doing to make that happen? What areas of your life are you becoming less in so God can become greater in? What areas are you submitting and surrendering to him so that he can become greater in your life? There are many of you that are, you need to take a step, just one step. We've gotten so comfortable last week. We've gotten really comfortable in coming and listening and then just going off and doing whatever we feel like doing as if we've really done something. He said to go and tell. The message of the church is to go and tell that there is a redeemer, there is a savior, there's a peace bringer, there is somebody who is a miraculous, powerful God who is for you and not against you. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to go through the garbage that you are because there's a God that stands ready to change your life, to change your destiny, to change your eternity. Go and tell. So how's he becoming greater in your life? And for some of you, your first step, you've accomplished. You, you are here today, and that's a great first step. Thank you so much. Some of you are here for the very first time. Some of you have tuned in, don't know how you found us, but thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of this service online. Some of you walked in here, and you're surrounded by people that are happy, and you're surrounded by people, and you're like, oh, my gosh, what's going on in this place? I don't know. Kind of freaking out, but I kind of like it but I'm more on the freaked out side. That's your first step, that's great. Some of you need to take a step. You've surrendered, to, you've said Jesus is the Lord. You've, you've had the event of your life, but now you need to take a step of followership. 
that should bring you to baptism. You need to be baptized in water. Well, it's kind of embarrassing. Man, that's the first thing Jesus says to do, be baptized. Yeah, but forget the yeah, buts. One of the greatest roadblocks of the Christian life is yeah, but. I know, but. Like somebody said one time, bring your, bring your butts to the altar. Lay them at the altar. Because <laughs> we all have excuses. We all have reasons. And perhaps the step of baptism is, is out there because God wants you to humble yourself in obedience to him. There's much more than that. But it's the first step of obedience that he asks you to do. Some of you, the next step is get involved in a small group because you need community. You need to be around other believers. You need to be around those places that iron sharpens iron. There's 16 small groups that you can be a part of. Yeah, but I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on. No, you're as busy as you want to be. Is all of your busyness bringing you closer to God? Is all of your busyness bringing you to the point that he's increasing in your life? Or are we just filling, up, filling our life full of stuff I, we had, I think, 40 people right now, roughly 40 people, a few more than that, that have signed up for small groups. We might be at about 50. You know what? We should have 150 in small groups. How many of you think we should have 150 in small groups? All the people in small groups think that. <laughs> I mean, Pastor Tim's got some end times small groups. I'm doing a small group, heaven on earth, not what you think, but it's heaven on earth. And uh, uh, there's... A, a great small group Marshall is doing about uh, the New Testament. You know, there's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about the Bible that'll just help you understand. So I don't know what those excuses are that stop us, but I want to finish with this verse in First uh, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter one and verse six: We and the Lord were your examples. You followed us. Now notice, they're following the example of Paul and others, and their following brought them somewhere. You welcomed our message even when you were suffering terribly. We sometimes think that when everything is going good, yeah, it's all good, don't really need a whole lot. When we're suffering, it's too hard, it's too painful, and you know we're just too overwhelmed to maybe take those steps. And Paul said, he's commending them. It was hard. There were hardships in your following of us. And it wasn't like, well, you know, the football game's on. or It, it wasn't that, you know, I, I'm just busy with stuff or I'm just kind of tired. It was like <laughs> they're being pulled out of their homes and they're being, they're, they were being beaten for Christ. You welcomed our message even when you were suffering terribly. You welcomed it with the joy that the Holy Spirit gives so that you became a model to all believers uh, to all believers in the lands of Macedonia and Achaia, the Lord's message rang out from you. That was true not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has also become known everywhere, so we don't have to say anything about it at all. They had so possessed the life and the nature and the strength of God that it just there was literally fruit being born through their life because they had received the word of God and they began to follow the example of Paul and others and that life that was in them began to produce fruit. They began to live and they began to love and they began to serve and they began to do all of those things and so then people understood, wait, those people are different. 
And it wasn't different because they were trying. It wasn't because Paul apparently wasn't organizing in a sense that, that we're just trying to mobilize. these. Things. you're already doing it. And I have a dream in my heart. Acts 8, 5 and 8. That Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Christ and there was great joy in the city. I believe that from this group right here, you, in this place today, there could be great joy in central Minnesota because your lives reflect Christ. Your lives reflect the nature of God and you so possess the word of God, the spirit of God, and the life of God that you bear fruit that brings glory to God. Because you're alive for this moment. Nobody else can do what you can do. Nobody else can reach who you can reach. Nobody else can do it but you. And the good news is you are not alone. You've got his help on the inside, his nature on the inside. I think it would be good for you today. It would be good for you this week when you wake up in the morning saying, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I'm not sure if I'm the vine or the branch, but your life is on the inside of me. <laughs> your life is in me right now. And I fully expect that today there's going to be fruit for your glory because that's what he wants us to do. Fully expect that he is going to produce something in us that brings glory back to him. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you that in this building this morning and online this morning, I thank you that there is a, a garden <laughs> full of people that have surrendered to your lordship, that have called you Lord. They've had that moment of salvation. And Father, I thank you for understanding that is coming today, that we now have the potential to bear fruit, but not only that, we are accountable to bring fruit. So, Father, I thank you that through the word that was shared today, that faith has arisen in their heart, understanding has come to their mind, that there is some clarity that you will help them, that you will strengthen them. I thank you, Father, that when they go to sleep tonight or when they wake up in the morning, they will be reminded of fruitfulness in their life. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never had that moment where you've made the decision to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I ask you to forgive me. If you're here today and you're ready to do that, would you just simply raise your hand real high because I want to lead you in a very simple prayer, the action of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that he is Lord and you will be saved just for a moment. All right, you can look at me. I'm not going to close with a fancy prayer. Let me just say this. This year, year of 2022, we have had 166 people that have said yes to Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you're one of those 166 people this year or in the last year or two, I'm going to give you a number. Text. We, we're all busy, right? But we want to help you. We want to help you take some steps following Jesus. And so if, you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus today or at any time in the last year, whenever it is, when you're ready to take that step, just text JOY to 77411. Let us know that. We'll get in touch with you. We'll help you with some of those steps. Again, it might be small groups that you need to get involved in. You might have, there's a small group just about you have questions. Anybody have questions about God, about Jesus, about the church, about end times, about starting times? place that you can ask him. Praise God. Would you stand up? And would you turn to two or three people as you're dismissed, as you're leaving, say, hey, Fruity, we'll see you next week. God bless you.